Oh, come on, let's give God some praise and some honor. We come to pray and praise his holy name. Will you partner with me in prayer? Father, we thank you and we bless you for your goodness to us. We salute and celebrate your grace and your mercy. We ask in this moment, God, that once again, as we're beginning the start and the dawn of a brand new year, and continue to shower your presence upon us, continue to be the guiding light that we need, that takes us where we need to be. Lord, we also celebrate our leaders, and we thank you for those who you have set apart in this moment to share with us and to be a part of this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. So, Lord, I pray that you would once again be with us, guide us, and lead us. This is our prayer. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise today. Hook somebody on your left and right and tell them I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Once again, let's give God some glory and praise. Let's thank God for all of our leaders. All of our leaders. Come on, let's celebrate all of our leaders. Uh, what a wonderful and amazing time we had over the last few days, and we're grateful for the commitment that they have for their church, for their pastor, and for God. And we believe this is going to be a very fruitful year for us as a leadership, so we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Turn us to the book of Daniel. We'll continue our series, Maintaining the Standard. While we're speaking on that, I want to just address, especially our 715 worship experience, I'm challenging. We, we need some help in the parking lot. I'm going to challenge some men to help us. We've been getting some reports of some strange individuals uh, that are soliciting some of our members in our early service. And I'm challenging some men. Now, women, if you want to step up, that's cool too. But I'm challenging some men to help us when it comes to uh, patrolling our parking lot and doing those things, not just at 715, but also throughout the duration for our main campus. Uh, we've been trying for a little while. Uh, there's a need, and I am challenging some brothers to step up. Amen, brothers, are you hearing me? Y'all ain't feeling me. Brothers, are you hearing me? So this is what I need you to do right after church. If that is, you say, you know what, I want to accept that challenge. I want you to see Deacon Hunter right after church just so we can get some information. We really got to make sure uh, that we're patrolling and protecting our congregation. And, uh, and I need some brothers. Hear me again. I'm going to challenge the brothers again. I need some brothers to help us step up and do that as we move forward. Amen? Amen. So we want to make sure that we are protecting ourselves and just the integrity of those who come to our early morning worship. Amen? Amen. Daniel chapter 2. And I hope for the sake of it that you'll read this entire one as we're methodically trying to maneuver through Daniel. But I believe today's word is going to be helpful to clear it up just a little bit for me. I want to read... Um, couple of verses out of Daniel 2. I'm reading from the message translation. We're going to look at the entirety of Daniel 2. It's a rather lengthy chapter. Uh, there's certain things I want to raise out of it just for a little while, and I hope that you would once again uh, hear the word of God. Daniel chapter 2, beginning around verse 12. This is the word of God. Verse 12 through 18 is our text on this morning. Here it is, verse 12 through 18. This is the word of God. That set the king off. He lost his temper and ordered the whole company of Babylonian wise men killed. And when the death warrant was issued, Daniel and his companions were included. They were also marked for execution. When Ariok, chief of the royal guards, was making arrangements for the execution, Daniel wisely took him aside and quietly asked what was going on. Why this all of a sudden? At the Ariok field in the background, Daniel went to the king and asked for a little time so that he could interpret the dream. 
Daniel then went home and told his companions, Hanani, Michelle, and Azariah, what, he was going, what was going on. He asked them to pray to God of heaven for mercy in solving this mystery so that the four of them wouldn't be killed along with the whole company of Babylonian wise men. Once again, let's look at verse 17 and 18. Then Daniel went home and told his companions, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, what was going on. He asked them to pray to the God of heaven for mercy in solving this mystery so that the four of them wouldn't be killed along with the whole company of Babylonian wise men. For time with hours, we look at the actions and the exploits as we continue to navigate through the book of Daniel. I want to preach from this thought. I want to talk about don't let this get to you. Touch your neighbor, say neighbor. Don't let this get to you. Lift those hands to heaven and say, Lord, speak. We need to hear. You may be seated in the presence of God. Have you had moments where you just completely lost it? Have you had some situations where, I mean, your anger has broiled over? You said some words you know were unbecoming, but you were just that intense, just that incensed in that moment. Have you had times you've lost your... Matter of fact, my brothers and sisters, if you could turn back the hands of time, what would you do differently? Perhaps there's a situation on your job. Maybe it was just something. Maybe it was just a culmination of a couple of bad days and you just allow something to get the best of you. Maybe it was something at your home. Maybe it was with a spouse or with a child. Whatever it may be, we all can say we've had moments that weren't literally our best moments. We've said some things and done some things that if the world knew, perhaps we'll hang our head in shame. And if the truth be told in those moments, it felt good to release. But yet, let's be real, as we thought about it, Soon as the words came out, there was a part of us that wished we could grab them and bring them back in. I submit for us today that the challenge for most of us is we don't think about the long-ranging things when stuff affects us. When hostile moments come up, we don't think about what that word is going to mean, what that email is going to say, how our temper tantrum is going to be interpreted. And if we'll be honest, most of us perhaps don't it just feel so good just to release, not realizing that in that moment we have dishonored our kingdom identity. And I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that every situation, every uh, circumstance, everything that you're in, whether it's on your job, at home, it must maintain. You cannot allow yourself to lose your cool. That, that's what our text, and I want to help some people today. The, as we continue this journey through the book of Daniel, Daniel 2 is an interesting uh, passage of Scripture. Matter of fact, if you were to look at it from a purely prophetic standpoint, it's considered one of the most accurate prophecies of Bible. It talks about the, the fall of four kingdoms and the overarching uh, magnitude of the main kingdom that will last forever, which is the kingdom of God. But when you look at it deeper, what you notice is that what happens on the onset of chapter 2 uh, is we see a situation at the job that Daniel had. And at the job that Daniel has, what you'll note 
is that a hostile situation has occurred. The king has got angry, and now he's declared and decreed death for all of the magicians in Babylon, including Daniel and his three friends. Can you imagine getting that kind of notice? Can you imagine getting that kind of message? But yet, notice in our text, Daniel does not lose his cool. Daniel does not go off. Daniel does not throw a temper tantrum. Daniel uses spiritual wisdom. And here's the crazy thing. Because he trusted God in the hostile situation, he went from facing death to end up being the ruler of all of Babylon. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. He teaches us some powerful principles that allow us to understand that in life you may not be able to, um, to arrange what happens to you, but you do have the spiritual discernment to be able to navigate through some hostile situations with the spirit and the wisdom of God. I don't know who I come to help, but maybe I'm talking to somebody on some job, and, and you know how difficult and be hard working with a, a boss and co-workers but God sent me to tell you I sent you there on assignment and the worst thing you can do uh, is miss out on your kingdom identity because you get mad for stuff uh, God said perhaps that situation that you think is all that is really just an opportunity for God to promote you uh, to a higher level maybe God allowed the hostility to come your way to see are you spiritually strong enough to manage this season my brothers and sisters, I know you don't think it's a big deal, but I want to submit to you that when we begin to look at it, what it tells us as spiritual beings, our chief aim is to make sure we keep our emotions in check. We must make sure that when things do not go the way we want them to go, and let's be honest, they won't go. I don't know anyone that has ever had life go completely how you want it to go, but here's the good news. When you learn how to trust in God, when you learn how to be spiritually mature, you won't allow what you go through to affect you internally and watch what God does on the other side. Who am I talking to that needs to hear this message? I know I'm not the only one and it always comes. It always happens. It could be a wayward word from someone. It could be a situation that perhaps you're facing termination and you are just trying to figure out how do I navigate it and Daniel gives us some important things because he lets us know this one good takeaway truth. You can't mismanage this moment. I don't know what moment it is for you. I don't know what you're having to face. I, I'm not sure what it is that's causing some tension. I'm not sure what you're upset about, but what I am telling is not worth losing your cool over this. Don't let this get to you. And as we look at this passage, my brothers and sisters, as great as chapter two is, and it's a rather lengthy chapter, I'm not going to spend time on the revelation that was revealed to Daniel, but what, what raised my homiletical interest in this text, preacher, is I am very interested in the actions of Daniel. Daniel, in our text, he manages this moment in a tremendous, spiritually wise way. And I want to look at what Daniel did and how God rewarded the actions of Daniel. And I believe that if we take these things and apply them to our lives, whether it's on our job, whether it's in our home, whatever context it is, I I believe we can end up like Daniel that what may seem like a bad thing in the beginning could come out to be the best thing that's ever happened to you that's the text my brother says let me give you four things out of this text four simple principles four simple things I, I see Daniel doing in our text and I hope you apply them to your life and I hope that you will once again figure this out as we make sure we don't let this get to us. Here it is, my brother. Says the first thing I want you to write down. If you are to respond in a spiritually mature way to hostile situations, I want to submit to you. First of all, the first thing you got to do is don't pout. I know that's simple. 
don't pout. That's what happens in Daniel chapter 2. Matter of fact, as we get into it, you'll note what takes place. We are introduced in, in further detail to the boss, if you will, a man by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. He is, in essence, a truly remarkable leader. He's known and vast throughout the history of the world. But one thing that this text exposes to us, as great as he is, as wonderful as some of the stuff he's done for the Babylonian Empire, as ruthless as he is in his thing, we realize something. Nebuchadnezzar is insecure. And that's what takes place in the passage. When you read the opening verses of this text, you'll know that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that bothers him to the extent where he's trying to get clarity in antiquity. To have a dream, they really meant that the gods were trying to speak to you. So Nebuchadnezzar got this dream that he needed interpreted. So he called the best of his magicians and, and soothsayers of Babylon. And he came to them with a simple thing. He says, I need you to interpret my dream. Check this out. They look at him. They say, man, that's cool, but you need to tell us what the dream is. We note here that Nebuchadnezzar, we are exposed to insecurity because notice what Nebuchadnezzar is. No, I'm not going to tell you the dream. Not only do I want you to interpret the dream, I need you to tell me what I dreamed. Seems like an unreasonable request. And you can imagine as the other magicians and those who are with them are saying, man, that's unreasonable. That, that's something only God can do. We're, we are called to interpret your dream. And here is Nebuchadnezzar. He is frustrated because he believes that God is trying to tell him something, but nobody around him can answer it. He gives an unreasonable request. They cannot respond to it. And in his anger, he said, you know what? I'm tired of all y'all. I'm not just firing y'all, but I want all of y'all dead. Here's the issue. Now an edict has been given. A mandate has been set. Now King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm tired of all y'all. I've invested resources in you guys. I've given y'all positions and prominence. And now you cannot achieve this one thing that I'm asking you to do. So guess what? I don't want y'all alive. I want all of y'all to be killed off. And that included Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. This was a total clean slate of the company. He said, I am tired. I thought I invested in y'all. I thought y'all were smarter than what you are. And so now he's giving out an edict and he says, you guys, all of y'all are going to be put to death. Now, can you imagine as the word gets around, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah get the email. They get the memo that they are to be executed and put to death. Now, I know you perhaps don't understand, but what caught my attention in this passage is I'm amazed that notice Daniel and his three friends are now having to deal with the consequences of something they didn't do. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had to face consequences of some stuff you didn't even do? I mean, Daniel and them didn't even get an opportunity initially to try to answer the request of the boss. But now the boss is at a point of being enraged. He's moved on. And what he's saying, not because your friends, your co-workers didn't get it right, all of y'all are going to get fired. Now, if that was us in the text, we would have got real mad. We would have walked to the king's chambers. We would have go ahead and said, you know what, bump that. That ain't right. You ain't treating me fair. We would have written a long book on an email and sent it. Let's be honest, if it ain't our fault. And we have a hard time accepting it when it is our fault. So when it ain't our fault, oh, no, uh-uh, no, no. I don't work too hard. I've been to many schools. I don't, 
I done invested too much. I got bills to pay. Ain't no way I'm trying to lose this job. And I ain't do nothing. That's on them. I've been trying to tell you that they weren't all that in the first. You know, if it would have been us, we would have thrown everybody under the bus. We would have said, I knew they weren't that good. I've been trying to tell you that. I don't know why you had. Y'all know how we act sometimes because we get in self-preservation mode. We start worrying about ourselves. And when we feel a threat to our livelihood, the first thing we do, we start playing victim. See, I didn't even get an opportunity to do it. And so, y'all, you ain't been using my skill set. And so, you you know how we act and can you imagine if Daniel would have did the same thing but Daniel doesn't respond with that Daniel in this moment is facing a life sentence and he decides to respond with wisdom doesn't pout doesn't get an attitude doesn't cuss somebody out y'all ain't gonna hear me today he he decides to be tactful he decides to use wisdom. Whew. Oh, y'all ain't helping me now. I wonder. I know some of you saying, Pastor, this message I needed to hear about four, five years ago. <laughs> because I wonder how many of us, on our first instincts, decided to pout instead of be wise. How many of us decided to get upset and get angry instead of being tactful? And notice the tact that he shows. First thing he does, he does not go to Nebuchadnezzar at first. He talks to the king, of the chief of guards, the one who was his direct overseer, the one whose job was determined. And he had a conversation area. I said, man, what's going on? What's happening? Please fill me in. Because I don't want to jump to some conclusions. And I sure don't want to assume what took place. And because God had given Daniel favor, because when you operate in wisdom, God gives you favor with people over you. He said, man, that's what happened. They couldn't figure out the king's dream. And so the king said, y'all got to die. He said, man, listen, just give me some time. Matter of fact, give me the opportunity to speak to King Nebuchadnezzar and let me just tell him I'll take on the responsibility to see if I can interpret the dream. And he goes to King Nebuchadnezzar, and because of his reasonableness, watch this, the king grants him what he needs. See, sometimes, my brothers and sisters, when you're facing some irrational things, you don't beat it by being irrational. Y'all ain't liking this. I'm trying to be practical today. When, when you are facing things that seem unreasonable, you do not defeat it by being unreasonable back to it. There comes a point where it may not seem fair and you understand there may be something else going on, but I've learned something. How you talk to people, how you respond to people, what you say to people speaks highly. And for many of us, I wish I had some real leaders in the house that can testify that there may have been some things that went wrong, but because you responded in the right way because you knew the right words to say because you said God guide my tongue and make sure that I'm responding in a spiritually mature way what could have been a catastrophe what could have been a downfall it ended up working in your favor simply because you learned how to get yourself together in that moment even though you felt disrespected you still responded in respect y'all ain't gonna help me here because maybe the challenge we have in our spiritual walk is you want to fight fire with fire you do not fight fire with fire you say God temper my tongue God uh, help me with my eyes God uh, help me with my mind I wish I had some real people that can look back over life and say man if I just would understand that one tenet that even though they were unreasonable I still know my position and God I need you to help me in this moment allow me to have wisdom to operate on your behalf I'm here to tell you today my brothers and sisters one thing Daniel teaches us 
is that you can't pout. It may hurt your feelings. It may be unreasonable. It may seem like it is unfair. But let me tell you, your first response before you go off is you got to make sure that I am putting myself in a mature place and I'm not going to respond to them like they responded to me. First thing I want you to know in our text, Daniel teaches us, if I'm not going to let this get to me, first thing I got to do is don't pout. But the second thing he teaches us is he also says, if I'm not going to let this get to me, second thing I got to do, I got to seek prayer. Okay. He has a problem. He has a timetable. Notice the wisdom of Daniel. Daniel goes to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah. And he does not start having a gossiping thing. Yeah, I met with King, and we're going to get him straight. Does not go talk about the situation to the extent of how wrong they were. Yeah, I'm with you guys. We weren't even in it, and we still had to. No, that was not Daniel's posture. Daniel goes to his three friends, and his request to them was simply this. We need to pray. I, I, I knew it. I knew when I put this sermon together, when I was writing this outline, I said to God in my study, I said, God, they are not going to appreciate this because I know that seems too simplistic. They want me to give them something more tangible. But yet let me submit to you that most of us fail to understand that we have access to the greatest weapon that we have, and that is prayer. I wonder in all of your intellect and all of your knowing, all that you got, I know, I know it seems antiquated. I know there's some of you that don't have enough time to pray, but Daniel teaches us if we're supposed to be spiritual and mature, the thing we ought to access is make sure we get on our knees and pray to God. And Daniel said, this is too much for me, so I need some help in prayer. I need some people that can touch the throne of grace with me. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have nobody that can pray with you and pray for you, then woe be unto you. Because Lord knows, I need some folk that can touch the throne of grace on my behalf. I need some people that can touch and agree with me and be, all be on the same path. Listen. Daniel said we all in this together so our main recourse is we got to make sure we become spiritual and prayerful somebody can testify you seen the power of prayer Oh, don't make me work too hard this morning. But touch somebody tell them, I know what prayer can do. I, I, I've seen prayer shift some stuff. I, I've seen change some minds. I, I've seen prayer bring healing to bodies. I, I've seen prayer uh, reverse some situation. I ought to have a few people in here. If you don't shout over nothing else I say today, you ought to shout over the fact that you are faithful. You got a God that will respond to prayer. Touch somebody next to you. I know the power of prayer because the Bible reminds me the prayers of the righteous avail of somebody ought to just be excited and I'm here to tell you that one of the things we got to understand is that God calls us in every moment I don't care where you are I don't care how much money you have I don't care what position you hold all of us should make sure that prayer is a priority they pray but see that's why some of you can't really understand the intensity of that because there's a difference between believing prayer is important and believing prayer is essential See, see, some of you say, yeah, it's important. I should pray. But there's others who say, no, it just ain't important. It's essential. Which means it's a non, I mean, it's a non-negotiable. I, I got to pray. I, I've got to this point in life that I've got 
to talk to God. So there is nothing that I can do without first of all asking God what is God's will. We ought to have some old school saints in here that would sing that old song that simply said this way, oh what needless pain we bear because we don't take everything. I don't care what it is, take everything to God in prayer. And somebody every now and again when things get tough on your job, when stuff gets tough at school, when stuff gets tough on things, maybe instead of taking a smoke break, take a prayer break. Say, you know what? Let me just steal away for just a little while and let me have a little talk with Jesus because just a little talk with Jesus. I wish I had some real people tell somebody and tell them I done talked to him and he done made ways before and since he's always shown up and shown out, I'm going to always make sure I keep prayer as a priority. Daniel teaches us don't pout seek prayer but thirdly he says if I'm not going to let this get to me notice the other action of Daniel find peace doesn't allow his emotions to get the best of him goes to his friends say guys we need to pray and here's what gets me the next thing that happens Daniel goes home and goes to bed I wish I had something deeper. I'm, I'm, I, I wish I had some. I know y'all looking at me like, he got all these years of school and that's all. I, I can just do one thing, Deacon Prince. I can only preach the Bible. And I wish I had something more elaborate to tell you. I wish I could tell you that he went and went to a restaurant. I wish I could tell you he went counseling. No, after he prayed, the thing, the next thing Daniel did, according to Daniel 2, I can't make this up, he went home and went to bed. Y'all ain't helping He. Because there comes a point that once you pray, you've done all you can do. So ain't no sense of me pacing the floor, getting mad, having a temper tantrum. You know what? I done told God about it. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to take my wig off, put it on the stand, put my little pajamas on. Y'all ain't helping me here. Light my little fireplace, fold my little chair on my little covers back and get up in bed, put the covers way up to my chair and get some rest. Why? Because if I done told God about it, ain't no reason for both of us up still thinking about it because I ought to have a few people touch somebody next to you and say, neighbor, just go to sleep on some stuff. Maybe the reason you still fretting and worrying is because you really didn't trust your prayer because if you trust your prayer why are you up tripping and having a temper tantrum tell somebody say go to sleep baby stop worrying about this thing go lay down God is about to do something and as long as you stay up you ain't doing nothing but losing some rest and just realize that if you gave it to God that's all you need to do Help me, Holy Ghost. I wish I had some people that say, you know what, Pastor? That was the best thing I heard all day. Go to sleep on it. Because some of us need a good nap. Touch somebody and tell them, you need to take a good nap. Just get yourself together. Because right now, you're irritable and you're not trustworthy. But when you get comfortable, when you learn how to lay it down and give it to God, God will. teaches us that sometimes the best thing you can do is go to sleep. You can't fix it now. That's up to God. 
So I'm not going to lose some good, valuable sleep time. Y'all ain't helping me. I know that's, that's hard for some of y'all. Some of y'all worrying too much. See, that's the problem. See, you can't worry and trust at the same time. So, so they, they can't operate in the same space. And what Daniel shows us is that there are seasons when you got to say, God, you know what? It's on you. Uh, so I'm going to get comfortable and I'm going to go to sleep. But here's what's crazy. When he decides to get in the posture of rest is when revelation comes. Woo, I wish I had time to preach this. If y'all didn't look so bored, I wish I had time. I know it's rainy outside and I'm sorry. I wish I could change the atmosphere and make it sunny. But listen, this is a profound word for somebody because what happened was until Daniel decided to trust wholeheartedly is only the period when God was able to speak to him about what's going on. Maybe the reason why some of us ain't got an answer is because you still awake. Some stuff, you just got to take yourself to bed. And in the posture of rest, God will release revelation. Help me. He speaks to him. While he's there in the posture of submission, because while he's asleep, he can't do nothing about it. God responds and gives him the answer to what's going on. God answers their prayer in a vision while he's in bed. He tells them what they prayed about, God gave them the answer. But it only came when they were in a posture of submission. Who help me, Holy Ghost. And what does Daniel do when he gets it? The Bible says when God answers the prayer when he's in the bed as a vision, when Daniel wakes up, Daniel start singing a song to God. I get it, I get it, I get it. I see why. You see, if I had time, I would tell you the answer he gives them proves two points, that God is sovereign and all revelation comes from God. If that was my purely theological premise, you should be able and be excited over that. What they asked for, God responded. God gave them the answer. That in itself is enough to shout. But because I know we are practical listening people, we need to understand it from an application standpoint. You're saying that sounds good from a theology pastor, but, but why else should I wake up singing and praising God? That's what Daniel did. Daniel gets it, and as soon as he gets the answer, when he does decided to rest he wakes up and the first thing out of his mouth is he starts singing praises to God now I know why this ain't gonna shout you but let me tell you why it's shouting me is because remember he still ain't talked to the king yet they still have the current death sentence over all of their lives nothing has taken place but he has such assurance in what God has told him that he's not gonna wait the situation gets resolved but while he's still in the situation while he still got stuff going on that could perhaps threaten his life and his job because he already has assurance that God has given him what he asked for he doesn't wait to after the situation gets resolved but while he's still in the midst of it he decides to give God praise can I tell you uh, when you know you are spiritually mature when you have recognized that God has already answered your prayer you ain't waiting till the situation get resolved you ain't waiting till you show up on Monday you can be in church on Sunday at a 715 worship experience and feel the peace of God that passes all understanding and our response to his peace is to give God some praise because you realize at the end of the day if it had not 
pen. Y'all gonna make me shout out of my shoes today. I'm trying to help you touch somebody and tell them uh, your peace ought to lead to praise. Because uh, at the end of the day, uh, after you know that God has worked that thing out, uh, oh, you just know God, I'm gonna give you a shout right now before I even show up to the job. Uh, I'm gonna give you a shout right now because I believe it's already happened. I ought to have somebody in here that can celebrate in the midst of your circumstance uh, and say, God, I thank you because before on yesterday, I didn't know what to do, but just a little talk with you, uh, I found the peace I needed. And when I got the peace I needed, I realized everything is going to be all right. Touch somebody next to you uh, and say, neighbor, some things I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I may not have maturity to know, but there's one thing I do know. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, uh, nor is seed begging bread, which means if you wait on God, uh, God will come through every single time. Do I got somebody here that can celebrate the fact you got a God that will always come through? It's simple. Be seated. Listen, don't pout. Seek prayer. Find peace. But then here's the line, last thing, fourth thing. Bank on piety. If I had time, you should read Daniel 2. The response that he gives to him is powerful from a theological perspective. It talks about the dream Nebuchadnezzar has. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And when God speaks to Daniel about the dream, it's a dream concerning one of the most pinpoint accurate Bible prophecies that many scholars suggest we have in scripture. It's really lifting up four kingdoms and they're represented symbolically in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Babylon, Greece, Rome, Persia, these four major powers in their succession from Babylon to Persia to Greece to Rome. That's from a biblical standpoint, those are the four superpowers of antiquity. But at the last portion, you'll note that the dream ends by a stone hitting these, these entities and crushing them and becoming a mountain that covers the entire world. So when Daniel gets to him, he tells him, hey man, this is what the dream means. This is what you saw. God says it represents this, the four powers. But this last one is going to get you because all of them will be toppled by what starts out as a stone, but ends up being a mountain over the entire world. It's, it's Daniel's prophecy that he reveals to the king that God spoke to King Nebuchadnezzar. Listen, you're going to rule for a little while, but your rulership has tenure. But there is a kingdom that's coming that's going to start small. But by the time it's over, it's going to cover the entire world. And what Daniel realized to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, man, let me just go and tell you, that's the kingdom of God. So enjoy your power now. Because there is going to come a time when all your power is not going to be worth anything. And God's kingdom will last. I wish I had time. So y'all can't shout over eschatological stuff. I understand it. It ain't that deep to you, but it shouts me because it gives us the certainty no matter what may seem powerful today. It is never as powerful as our God. And God spoke to the one who had the most power to say, listen, you think you hot stuff now, but there's someone coming that you don't even realize what's about to happen, that it's going to change the course of human history. And it's going to set up my reign for eternity because at the end of the day, God always has the final say. Daniel tells him that narrative. We end the 
chapter 2, you get to around verse 46, 47. And note what the text says takes place. Note that after they share the dream, note what happened. When Daniel finished, King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face in awe before Daniel. He ordered the offerings of sacrifices and burning of incense in Daniel's honor. He said to Daniel, your God is beyond question the God of all gods, the master of all kings, and he solves all mysteries. I know because you solved this mystery. Notice what happened. Because Daniel used wisdom. Because Daniel managed and handled the situation correctly. The one in chapter 2 when it started that wanted to kill him and everybody is now bowing at Daniel's feet. Okay, the one that was real close to not just firing him but killing him after Daniel using the wisdom of God. When Daniel releases what God tells him in what seemed to be an impossible situation, this same unreasonable, insecure king gets on his knees and bows down and worships Daniel. Offers incense and sacrifice. He, in essence, says, watch this. He says, you know what? Your God is the God of all gods and the king of all kings. I see why you can't shout. Because, see, that's why some kings can't bow to you because you think they bowing to you. But Daniel understood, I'm just a proxy in this moment. That the king ain't bowing to me, because I ain't really do nothing. He's really bowing to the king of kings and the lord of lords. Because at the end of the day, what Daniel understood is that when you avail yourself to be a conduit of God's spirit, God will let some high-profile people bow, but it ain't to boost your head. It's to boost the prominence and power of our God. I ought to have somebody here that can testify. Sometimes God will flip the script on you. Sometimes God will have those that don't think you're worth anything having to bow down at your feet. And notice what King Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, man, I ain't never seen this before, and it got to be your God. So let let me tell you, since you honored your God, I'm going to make you ruler over all Babylon. You are going to be the chief of all the magicians that I have in my thing. Matter of fact, nobody can come to me without going to you. Why? Because you operated in wisdom. And because you show wisdom in this situation, it proves that you have leadership ability. I ought to have some people in here because maybe that's why we can't get promoted is because God can't trust you to be wise. But when you learn how to let God lead and let God have his way and let God use you in whatever a situation somebody can testify God will elevate you uh, simply because you decided to trust him look at somebody and tell him uh, that's the story of my life I'll be honest with you the Lord elevated me uh, and when I look back over my life it wasn't because I was the smartest it wasn't because I was the brightest uh, it wasn't because I was the tallest and wasn't because I was the finest but I learned a long time ago uh, that if you just trust God and put God first. God will take care of you. I'm done. Here's the final thing. Notice what Daniel does. Daniel says, since I got promoted, let me help my homeboys out. So he says, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah, since y'all prayed with me and for me, I'm going to give y'all a promotion too. Why? Because when you get elevated, you can't forget where you come from. And there's some people that God has been strategically positioned in your life. And he says, when you go higher, they ought to go higher. Y'all ain't going to help me. I'm done. But touch somebody and tell them, the next time God elevates me, I'm going to elevate you. Next time God does something in my life, I'm going to celebrate with you. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, don't let this get to you. Why? Because if you handle it correctly, watch what God does. I'm done. Everyone's standing Daniel starts chapter 2 facing death for something he did not do himself. 
but he responded in a spiritually mature way. I wonder if I'm the only one in here that's ever had moments you're like, you know what? While I was preaching, some thoughts from your mind, boy, if I just would have handled that better. I'm not saying don't be angry. I'm not saying Daniel did have some trepidation, but he still responded in a mature way. And if Daniel can respond in a mature way facing death, then we should do the same thing as well. 